Hello and welcome to Four Wise Kates. Have you ever wondered why Kate Nichols is a Kate? Why Kate Oppenheim is a Kate? Why Katie Jenkins is a Katie with an IE? And why I am a Katie with a Y? Well, this is your lucky day. You will be getting some fascinating insight into the reasoning behind all of those four women's names in this podcast, Four Wise Kates. We will also be discussing actual thorny issues within the hospitality industry, things like the summer of sport that's coming up and how that can affect hospitality, Um, the issue, or is it an issue, of spiking uh, within late night, Gen Z, why they're coming back to pubs. We're going to talk about ageing, and of course, we're going to talk about the employment crisis. So join us for this ride into hospitality accompanied by several glasses of Prosecco, a couple of beers, and I think a Bloody Mary, as I recall. I chose it because it was a slightly lighter option. I thought I could perhaps then get through the next hour. See, I've got a Bloody Mary because that's that's a morning drink, isn't it? A Bloody Mary. That's the breakfast drink. I'm just not very good with with hot stuff. No. Okay. Okay, and what else have we got? Obviously, a beer. I have a pint of black sheep. Mm. Best bitter. Delicious. I've got two. Basically, <laughs> double parked. Oh, yeah, I've got one for each hand. I've got a diet coke because I've just run up from Hoban, and I also have prosecco um, because I started this morning at seven o'clock. So I kind of feel as though I'm in the afternoon. <laughs> yes, well, it, it, an early morning like yeah. that. Yeah, and so and and you always say, Katie J, that um, if you know that someone's called Kate or Katie, you think that it places them in a certain well, time time place. I think sadly. It, can age you to a certain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That. I mean, it doesn't make. It's not like a. Vera. You don't mean age. It's not a Vera or a. No. Uh, you know, Ethel. Ethel. There, there was a moment in time in the seventies and eighties. Is what I you're think saying. There must have been someone uh, who was in sort of late seventies, early eighties. Yes. Mid seventies. I've got. I've got a confession. I'm sixties. I'm mid sixties. Oh, you were cutting edge. So I, you, I, you, and, I, and, and it was apparently, according to my mum, it was the Tom Jones. What. New Pussycat song. Okay. Cat, Lorraine, that always called me Catherine. Oh, really? Yeah. But all the best people were born in the 70s and 80s or came of age in the 80s. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. The 80s. Yeah. My, my yeah. So you're a Catherine? I'm a Catherine. With a home. C? With a K. With a K, right. I N E. Same. Oh, same. And you're the same? Yeah. yeah. I always wanted to have the Y. You know, R Y. Oh, Catherine. Okay. Yeah. Because I always thought that would be. Better. Yeah, but I think that, that I, I don't know, that makes me think of somebody a bit older now, with a K and a Y. Maybe mm-hmm. not. Yeah, definitely. Maybe not, whereas a Catherine with a C or without the Y yeah. doesn't so much. So, Kate Nichols. Yeah. Why are you Kate Nichols? I am, an, I am a reluctant Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't supposed to. <laughs> exactly. Nobody actively chooses to be a Catherine. Well, no, nobody chooses their names, do e- they? Even, <laughs> even the three Catherines that were queens of Henry VIII were never Catherines, but... Um, well, I suppose I, I have two sources of my name. Um, one which is the official one, and one which is my mum being pregnant and drunk, I think. Um, <laughs> At the same time, is, or? Yes. Right, okay. Yes. <laughs> um, the official one, well, no, the, the, the unofficial one follows on from your Tom Jones, because there's a lot of 70s children. Harry Seacombe's daughter was a Kate. Okay. 
and a deliberate Kate and that that great song of mud mud glorious mud was very prevalent and and apparently that's that's why there was she heard that when she was drunk and decided that Kate was a good thing this was about a week before I was born wow was that back in the days when you weren't warned not to drink when you're pregnant right okay and it probably explains a lot the real reason though that that my dad always gives my mum gives that as a sort of in the background was a good idea but the one my dad always gives is that they'd gone to see Taming of the Shrew Okay. And so I am, though she be but little, she is fierce, which yes. is a kind of good motto to live by. It, it is, and it's, it's unfortunately, it's a very overused Facebook meme as well, I think. It but, is. but yes, but I do. But you can have four like fierce Kates. Yeah, four fierce Kates. Like that. That's yeah. what we are. Well, I'm a Katie Ann, and um, I'm a Katie because when my, was, my mum was pregnant, my dad wanted to call me Melody. So I would have been Melody Moses, and my grandma stepped in and said, I don't think so. <laughs> and then he went, what about Harmony? And my mum went, I'm not giving birth to a stripper. So, and not that Harmony is a bad name at all. It's a lovely name, but Harmony Moses, it doesn't, it, it's not, it, it's not good. So then at the time, my dad was really into Steely Dan, and they just released an album called Katie Lied. So... Katie is what I became after the Steely Dan album. Mm. That's good. I like that story. It's quite a good rock and roll story, isn't it? That is cooler than Harry Seacombe. It is cooler than Harry Seacombe. Yes, it is. So what's everybody up, been up to today, this morning? This this industry never stops, does it? It's, <laughs> Kate came in all sort of like, oh, she's done... <laughs> well, you've done a, a seminar in person, two TV interviews. And yeah, already. This morning, already. This morning. I started this morning at 7 o'clock with um, three local radio interviews. Then I've done a seminar with Revo, which is town centre management and property about regeneration of the high street, town centres, lots of serious stuff. Mm. Um, and then I've done a TV interview about drink spiking and one about the thank holiday. Mm. That's, that's, that's three very different Which topics, is why, I, I, and a podcast ahead of this one, which is why I kind of feel that it's Prosecco and it's four o'clock. Totally. Oh, absolutely. It's, it, it's, well, it's always, sun's over the yard on somewhere, isn't it? Well, it is, and it is actually... It is, it's gone 12. And so, actually, drink spiking, that is a fascinating area. We, um, there's a woman... And horrific. Uh, oh, who's also That's called Katie. Who's, I swear Katie. to God, she's actually called Katie. Who runs SIDS. Do you know this? Check yes. your drink. Yes. And it's, you can buy the, these packets and you can sort of check, check your drink um, for various different drink spiking drugs that could be around. And I've been talking to her about maybe seeing if we can get them into all of the pubs and bars as, as you know, just sitting behind the bars. Yeah. Can I buy one of those, please? Not necessarily because that will always, you know, show that somebody's been spiked. But actually, what a great deterrent for the nasty little... Absolutely, look. but, you know, if you look at it, we've always had drink spiking. Yeah. Um, and, and there's always been that, that issue of it. We had a pandemic where, for two years, there's a whole generation of young people who have not known how to party and go out safely mm-hmm. and are totally unused to it. Yeah. And so you have to look at... There was a great podcast done by Tortoise Media okay. um, looking at this... Why did there suddenly become this explosion, having not heard it anywhere, of stories about needle spiking? And why was that such a, a, a story that resonated with so many women mm. that they felt that that was somehow something that could realistically happen? And when they investigated, and there's lots of police forces that have investigated, they can't find any evidence of needle spiking. Anywhere. Really? Anywhere. So why did it suddenly Anywhere. blow up in the media? Um, and a lot of what they found is, is people experimenting with drugs and not knowing what drug symptoms mm. were like, and drink, 
And the most common form of spiking in drinks is alcohol. Somebody puts an unexpected vodka right. in your vodka and coke. Somebody right. puts, and, and that's something that late night operators have had to deal with for a long period of time. We did, a, um, we did some research fairly recently, post pandemic, not post pandemic, sorry, this year, so, um, earlier this year, and the proportion of people who think, say, that either their drink or someone in their party drinks has been tam- tampered with, I think yes. we said, rather than spiked. Um, it was it was around one in four, and this was across the age. It was higher with. It was younger. it was one it in was, it was one in three was one in, 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 for generation for, for, Z. For Gen Z. Yeah. It was a, that is an insane amount, and that's yes. people who are aware of it, so to speak. Yes, but yeah. I do. I mean, but, we don't talk about much as an industry, and I get the last two years of everyone's heads have been on different things. Yeah, but if we can't provide. You know, we talk about providing this amazing customer experience and making sure that yeah. every touch point is glorious and fun and everything else, which we absolutely should. But if we can't, if if, there, if it isn't a safe place yeah. for people to go out in, then and, and whether it's wow. happening or not, or whether it is spiking or tampering, or tampering with is, alcohol, yeah. adding alcohol, or just people not aware of how what their limits mm. are mm. and mixing mm. things that they're not familiar mm. with. Mm we just need to make sure that there's a perception out there and we need to address it and we need to be doing more as an industry to be able to to make sure people are aware about not leaving their drinks unattended mm-hmm. having the little bottle tops that go mm-hmm. in in bottles uh, that, that you can drink from then um and as you say the these uh, little tabs that you can put in because why did it why did we all hear those stories why was it all believable all those stories look came out uh, a week after Sarah Everard was killed and you had a whole spate of really serious violence against women and so it becomes an issue where you think this is a story that has got potential it could Mm. happen Mm. we think it could happen and therefore it it, it spirals out of control but it's a really good podcast episode to listen to yeah I will give it a listen I think actually my stepson and his girlfriend got spiked a couple of weeks ago um, and she was incredibly ill really really ill for it and he sort of tried some of her drinks so he was ill as yeah. well and so I, I just I mean it's funny isn't it because when we were younger um, obviously we're all incredibly young still but when we were a bit younger and we were all at university so it wouldn't have crossed my mind it wouldn't across my mind to not leave my drink with the bouncer mm-hmm. when I went to the loo or outside you know you well, just... you see, I was in the 80s I think there must have been a lot of publicity about being careful about your drink because oh, you yeah. wouldn't have left a bottle on the bar and you always kept your drink with you right so, so maybe by the 90s that I dissipated yeah. a little bit because when I was at uni it was sort of late 90s yeah, a lot of these things you know there's a lot of publicity about it everyone's very careful and then it takes mm. sort of mm. a, bit, a few years to go past where there's no instance and then Mm. it rises up again do we know what the sort of criminal responsibility is for that you know what what kind of sentences are out there and things like that so that's something I would like to look into a bit because I've got no but, idea whether it's deterrent they, enough do they ever catch the uh, the people that are doing it I, mean, I think that is part of the challenge and the, the House of Commons report that ca- House of Commons Select Committee report that came out this week which is what I was talking about in the media um, they did a, a, an investigation on the back of all of these allegations and stories in the media and, and as I say, needle spiking, which had never, ever come up before. I'd never heard it. I'd never heard it. Um, and they found that there, there is a gap. There's a gap in the evidence base. There's a gap in being able to find out who is doing these things because often you find out or you, you experience it, unlike your your stepson and, yeah. and his girlfriend, you don't feel it immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, or you feel it immediately and it's pretty obvious that it's presenting as drugs or um, excess alcohol when they're tested. But a lot of people, 
um, there is nobody that you can prosecute or, or do anything mm. with because unless you actually find somebody in the act. I think as well the report also said that um, drink spiking wasn't a criminal offence. That's so one what, of the things that I they were thinking. looking at was criminalising wow. yes. it. Yes, absolutely. So well, because where's the deterrent otherwise? You know, if, if, if you know that even if you, you, if, you, if you manage to spike someone's drink, you might manage to get your way with that person or whatever you were planning on doing, whether you were robbing them, whatever. Uh, it, it, but if you don't if you do get caught doesn't matter anyway yeah so well this was what they were interested in exploring because you had all of these stories and I, I'm, I'm in no way discounting the fact that these things happen oh, yeah, and do yeah. happen yeah but what they said was they didn't see a corresponding spike in sexual assaults um mm. or robberies or burglaries or violence afterwards mm. so that you know not that the two are entirely correlated but you do get a spike in in allegations of drink spiking at the start mm. of every mm. freshers week um, of course but you sometimes then get a correlation with mm. it that there's an assault that goes alongside it but you had these thousands of claims of needle spiking uh, and no no, no indications alongside it so i think there's a lot more work that needs to be done mm. there but certainly criminalizing it mm. um and making it illegal would be a big step forward well yeah because the the owners can't just rest on on the outlet and the operator can it because they you know i mean especially if you look at the nighttime industry i mean how bloody tough have they had it over yeah. the last couple of years and now you're throwing something else for them to, yeah. to, to deal with or or something else that's giving them bad press etc so exactly. yeah it needs exactly. to be sorted at government level not uh, at individual I think operator. it was really good as well that they talked about supporting the nighttime economy to be able to help deal with this either through public education or mm. training for the door supervisors because you've had a lot of door supervisors leave so you've got new staff who've not been trained in this mm. but it's a very difficult situation you know, if somebody buys somebody a volunteer vodka and coke or asks for a vodka and coke and, and the, the bar um, the, the waiter is, is sort of asked for a triple instead of a single how do you know that that's yeah. a spiking incident yeah. how do you know what's going on mm. but you can you can train people about how do you look after vulnerable people mm. how do you treat yeah. their stories seriously mm. if they claim that they've been spiked mm. yeah. how do you help them and then how do you communicate to the police and get the police to take it seriously Mm -hmm. Sorry, it's gone yeah. very heavy and dark. No, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, normally it's at the end of the night that you start sort of tackling these issues. But no, I, th I think I think it's something that um, we're just not always aware of. It. It's not. I, I think. I think it's. I think a lot of people think it's quite new. It, obviously, you guys have just said it isn't new, and I think because of that, I, there aren't processes in mm. place. I think that's the issue. But again, those processes shouldn't come down to the individual operator. No. What's the um, again? Sorry, only va vaguely along these lines but we there has also again going back to some of the, the research we've done that there has also been and across the board a sort of decline in allegedly alleged decline in gen z drinking mm -hmm. at all doing mm. you know different activities different ways of socializing uh, etc or, or just not drinking mm. when they're going out yeah. which how, how I mean, I'm interested. Any? How do you think that's going to change the shape of things again, moving on from kind of? I just remind me, Gen Z would be the youngest. Yeah, be. so they're they're sort of 16 to 24 yeah. at the moment, but but my, generally for research purposes, you go 18 to 24. Okay. My daughter is coming up to 19, mm -hmm. and I must say that her and her friends go completely against that because yeah, she <laughs> yeah. <has> spoons. <laughs> my stepsons are the same. She's in spoons yeah. on a, on a pretty much yeah, almost that 90. That right. They go clubbing every weekend, yeah. and yeah. they are yeah. coming home yeah. at. Yeah. Three and five o'clock yeah. in the morning, 
having had a skinful. But both, <laughs> both, of, both of mine are the absolute same. So I don't then. know, yeah, and all of her friends yeah, are exactly I think the same. People are so. just more aware. I do think people are more aware of what they're drinking. Yeah, yeah yes, they are. And then but you've seen that there are now more alternatives but I do to wonder. choose. Yes. I do, I do wonder, though, because my daughter and her friends were telling me, I said, I, they all smoke. And I said, but the, the statistics coming out, this maybe a couple I of years ago now, were showing that they, that generation didn't mm. smoke, but they all, when they're asked, they all say they don't. Yeah. And I wonder how much, yeah. because they have this, oh, yeah. we don't smoke, we don't drink. It's that and kind of halo, out. isn't it? it, yeah. it and, and also the schizophrenic nature of Gen Z, yes. where yeah. they really want to do clean living. Yeah, I'm, I'm a vegan. But, yeah, but they're 22. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm, I'm a vegan uh, because of the air miles and because of the pollution and all this sort of stuff, but they don't care where their almond milk. Oh, yes, uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, hang on, if you get air miles for being a vegan, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they sort of, I'll, I'll get lectured about where where do the cows come from and what, mm. what the yeah. methane of the cows, but um, yes, please, we'll go on holiday to Borneo. Yeah, or, exactly. Um, I yeah. don't really care where my cashew nuts and avocados come no, from. But, no, yeah. So I think they do have that that split, um, and they are a bit sort of all or nothing. They're either abstemious yes. or they're out on a bender. We, we had we did some research and we looked into this about two years. Was it no? It was just before the pandemic, uh-huh. wasn't it? Yeah. And and we looked into this, and it really was the dichotomy. It was either. I am straight down the line, I do not drink, I am a vegan, and I really care about what brands do as their sort of CSR side of things, or it was, screw that, I'm off to tear the arse out of it. It literally was a yeah. cross between the two. Yeah. And sometimes it, the, the same and actually the same person. Sometimes, yes. I think it is the same person doing Yeah, like I let my both. hair down my, once a month. My daughter has has came up with the classic one where, where she said she was vegetarian, she came home and she went, yeah, but not when somebody else is paying. <laughs> because you can buy the good quality meat, so I think that the element of that there's some there's some logic. There you is some logic in that. You can see, I'm buying organic, local, sustainable. I also I think that. that going back to the drinking. I think that Gen Z stereotype of drinking less and 24% not drinking at all mm. pre-pandemic, mm. I do think the pandemic has changed mm. their behaviours because yes. they've had two years where they haven't been able to do anything yeah. that is yeah. even vaguely rebellious yeah. or pushing the boundaries or trying. Mm-hmm. And so they're they're all out now. Yeah, they are. And the research that we've done actually shows, because this was so... That Gen Z was a, an area, was well, was a demographic of people that we were really struggling to attract to pubs, right? And pubs were kind of going off their radar. And for the first time in 2019... Um, we, we, we've done this programme a couple of times we ask where would you like to go after work gym or pub for the first time in 2019 gym went to 51% and pub went to 49% so, so that, that generation for that generation yeah. fast forward post hopefully post pandemic we'll come on to that later um, we are now looking at the fact that Gen Z's were the first out of the traps and they're now going their, their visit frequency their spend everything has I gone wonder up. whether that is partly as well because they spent two years living with their Gen X parents what do you think they were alcoholic parents but you know you, you get into the habit of doing something because you've gone out with your parents and that you know the Gen Z's their parents are Gen yeah. X's yeah. so we're a little bit more resilient at yes. going through yeah. adversity yeah. crises the millennials. Speak for yourself. Uh, 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 be very I'll careful. Just squeeze. I squeeze in. into just the last <laughs> year of millennials. Now you want to. But there is, there is young and old millennials. But we'll, we'll, but 
Millennials, by and large, their parents are baby boomers. Yes. And I do think that sort of, you flip as to what was mm. the opposite of your parent, but, uh, but I do think the Gen Zs have socialised with their parents yeah. for the last two years and have probably got a bit more taste of a Gen X lifestyle. That's a really, really good point, because when we had, you know, the boys who were sort of part with us during some of the lockdowns, etc., because they're older now, um, but certainly they'd sit down and have a drink with us and yeah. you know I mean you know with the parents that they've got I'm just not a surprise but <laughs> they are not the the stay at home vegan low and no fans um, but yeah you're right it's kind of because you, you do adopt uh, behaviours of people around you don't yeah. you yeah you see what the norm is and if you are sort of 18, 19, 20, up to the 24 and starting your first job, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. your norms are what your peer group and the other people at work are doing. Mm. If you work with a lot of millennials, mm. they are probably going to the gym mm. after work yeah. and that, that mm. becomes your norm because you see it's normal. Yeah. If you're with your parents, who yeah. are Gen Xers and are... Who are opening a bottle of wine at six, then yeah. Well, has that filtered through Kate? To Which one? drinking Kate. 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 Sorry, Kate. Um, to drinking trends and things, do you think? Like what what people are drinking? Is that um, how is that well, changing? I I have always wanted my daughter to, and her friends to drink more real ale because I'm a big beer of lover. Course, yes. And I have given her and her friends many tastes of different ales over the time and not one of them is interested. They they are lager well, she drinks lagers. Well, well, at least she's drinking beer. I mean, I don't actually drink beer. Mind you, I probably shouldn't well, say she, that she on drinks, a yes. podcast in front of all my beer clients, should I? Well, she also drinks, um, when she's out, she drinks a lot of uh, shots, yeah. cocktails. In fact, it's what she doesn't drink. So she starts <laughs> off with a lager, then move on. I mean, she she was saying the other day about, oh, I quite like a tequila shot. And Your yeah, daughter sounds like ace fun. <laughs> I think we should get her yeah. on, on the and next time. And wine, she's now developed a taste for white wine. Her father, uh. my her husband works in wine, so she, she's particular now about the white wine mm. she drink. But <laughs> yeah, so she'll drink anything. Yeah. And her friends are the same. Yeah, they come round to us and they just literally will work their way through and like locusts through your bar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but again, the G, the gen general research out there is that that generation is looking more at shots and mm. spirits, as mm. far as I can remember from from the last set of research that we looked at, as well as cocktails. So yes. it is that value added serve. So they do yeah. look for that. They might be drinking less, yeah. and less in terms of volume, but they're drinking better. Yeah, they're, it's, they're drinking it's premium, isn't it? It's it, much it, more. It is. Premiumization is a big thing in that in that in well, that is, demographic. Is that, is that when they're going out as well? Like, oh well, yeah, because they're preloading yes. at home. Well, that that's never going to change. I no, I, I strongly I mean, believe that all students yeah. have always preloaded. Of course they do, absolutely. But the interesting thing about the cocktail side of things, and I think this is because I don't think people really valued. Um, a good cocktail before lockdown I think no. they were just like oh cocktail's a cocktail and then all of us tried to make them in our houses and went my god this is hard work mm -hmm. and I'm not getting the results mm -hmm. that the barman in X bar would etc so that's why cocktails and that's shot up I mean the, the, the consumption of cocktails has, has yeah it's, I think it's the biggest rise in category actually yeah. Yeah. it's such a treat I think that's the other yeah. thing isn't yeah. it you're going out to yeah. have a really lovely cocktail. I must yes. admit, I'm quite lucky. My husband is quite good at making mm. We used to have cocktail and pizza night. We'd make our own pizzas and have cocktails. Oh, your family sounds so <laughs> <laughs> Put the music on. Who's doing well, it well then to sort of bring consumers back out of their homes? And oh, I think some of them God. are running straight to hospitality anyway. Um, but I think the late night side is, is, is doing really, really well mm. for, for getting those people back out. Mm. I, I think, you know... The, the the alchemists and uh, oh alchemists you know, and... I ended up in an alchemist in Leeds uh, two weeks ago. I was doing a um, sports sort of pub safari, taking some clients around really good sports pubs. And at the end, we ended up in the, the alchemist. 
and just what they do the, the, the theatre exactly the you're not you cannot thing. recreate that anyway. my, my my 16 year old yeah. went out with her friends into the centre of London for a meal without parents mm-hmm. and ended up at the alchemist now I know they can't drink but it was just that was her aspirational go to when really? she could see yeah. the because she'd been out with her, her yeah. elder uh, sister yeah. the the sort of tears and, and uh, umbrellas of, yes. of cocktails yeah. the theatre of it the dry ice oh, yeah. the glamour. I had I, exactly yeah. it was yeah. it, she saw that as a really grown up glamorous aspirational yeah. experience and a lot of that of course and, and I'm not saying the alchemist plays to this because I think they're incredibly good at what they do but it's that that Instagram generation thing isn't it it's it's. I mean you know how interesting is that mm. yeah. uh, on an Instagram it's not how yeah, interesting is the dry eyes it's a very late millennial because late. <laughs> The Gen Xers and uh, Gen, Gen X doesn't know what to do. Gen Z, I got the wrong thing. The Gen Zs, it is irredeemably naff if you go out with the sixteen to twenty-four year olds to Instagram your food. Yeah, is it? Oh, oh my, my god! Absolutely, I've been doing it wrong. Absolutely, no, you've been doing it right. For your generation. Oh yeah. my god! And my are, old friends. Can I have some more second, please? <laughs> they they totally look down. Yeah. You know, if you hear, my, if you get my sixteen oh. and nineteen year olds yeah. onto millennials, they are so disparaging about millennials. Right. They are so self-centered. They only <laughs> they obsess about themselves, and all they do is take photos of their food or themselves. Oh. It's just natural. Brilliant. It's well, my, my husband will be good. over the moon to totally hear that good. because it drives him bonkers what when about, I take pictures of my food. What so. about the sport? How, I'm interested in the sports safari as well, Katie. Oh, it was fun. I I know that you are you know cutting edge sport knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> If I were to ask you to name a footballer, uh, it would probably be Kenny Dalglish. No, it would not. That's your age group. I would oh, say David Beckham, okay, of fine. course. Oh, yes. but, For um, many reasons. We've, so got massive, we've got a massive summer of sport, a year of sport, actually, coming up. Huge. Um, absolutely huge, phenomenal. Huge. Even and, I'm quite excited about and it. And that must be... Yeah, well, we, we work with um, Fanzo, and they talk about these sports fans who, you know follow it all year round you know Premier League fans what have you and sports flirts which is I think probably where you and me Katie fit in which is when it's a major sports yeah, event first when England or Scotland or whoever playing I know I generally not very good at flirting but sports flirting I'm good at uh, and it's got to be a huge opportunity this year I think for for, for hospitality or it should be it could be for, for food and drink yeah. across mm. the board um, I guess any of you guys sports fans flirt? I'm mm. probably a sports flirt. Mm. Yeah, I in am. that I, I like the big fixtures. Yeah. I can I can pass knowledgeably for yeah. various sports, but um, you know, I, I wouldn't follow a football team particularly. Mm. But when um, when asked, would I like to go and see Tottenham in Champions League at Monaco? The answer is obviously yes. Really, <laughs> <laughs> and, and would that be because it's in Monaco? <laughs> Or, or are you really interested in the formation that Tottenham are using these days? <laughs> uh, it's the four-three and a couple up front. Yeah, okay. um, a four-three. <laughs> but, but I think I think I'm probably quite typical. Yeah. Um, and I think the huge missed opportunity in the sector is around women's sport. Because, of course, it is. Because if you look at uh, and you know it, it's it's 
one of the campaigns I'm doing um, politically is, is to try and make sure that the women's matches are seen as the crown jewels and are free to wear yeah. because they're not. No. Um, and so they don't get accorded the same protection. They don't get accorded the same status. But actually, you know, our, um, we just had the six six nations. That, yeah. and, um, is that finished now? <laughs> <laughs> is it? Yeah. Yes. Well, I don't exactly. Yeah. Yes. How did we and, do? <laughs> the, uh, we didn't Are you win. asking okay. about the women did, or the men? Well, no, ask about the women. The women, I don't know women is still, are still, oh, still going through. Going. Okay. But, right, 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 right. but you know, they they've got they're on for their sixth Grand Slam. The yeah. English women. Yeah. Do yeah. we talk about it? Celebrate yeah. it? No. no. Crazy. no. Um, the English cricketers. They yeah. got to the World Cup. Mm-hmm. We don't really pay much attention to that, but we all talk about how badly mm-hmm. the the English cricket team is doing. And I think you could you could bring a whole new set of customers out it to is. the pub and if you focus on yes. those and women's who events. Watches those events because I actually I, the live events from a personal yeah. experience. Our three daughters, varying degrees of keenness in, in football. Um, particularly um, and we follow we're Arsenal fans and I, I, I don't care but we're Arsenal fans in our house and they're good like they are I remember hearing about the Arsenal football team when I was younger, oh. possibly at school or uni, and thinking that was the only women's football team because it's the yeah. only one I ever heard about. Yeah. Yeah. But what I was going to say was what those matches to the stadiums attract yes. is a very different customer base. It is not groups of men swilling beer it just isn't so if you then transfer that to a pub and you're showing the women's euros mm. this year mm. um and the finals it's super league finals you pubs pubs bars will also need to cater for that great you're attracting a whole brand you know potentially a whole different customer base and a customer base that spends more they're, stays they're longer much more, more likely, likely to, to buy food. food they're much more likely to buy you know but you also need to think of your range and your companies and a, you know a, yeah. a safe yeah. space if it's kids or, or women but also that you don't make the mistake that women's sport is only watched by women that certainly isn't the case it will still predominantly be a male totally. sports fan but it broadens yeah. and also you you will get people who are avid followers of their men's team and who will yeah. be a flirt yes, yes, yes. with the women's games when and actually well, if, yeah. if they if they focus on it mm. it's a much better mm. game because mm. it's less about pure power yeah, and more it's about more skill. about skill yeah, totally. and it's really yeah. exciting um, the other thing you can add into the mix is that if you do you'll get bigger groups of women so I think yeah. the average yeah. in your research the average group size is four mm-hmm. for men going out Correct. Yeah. it's bigger when it's a group of women that yeah. are going to go out yeah. uh, and these are different games at different times of the, d- the year different times of um the, the week yeah um and let's not forget they they sold out Wembley yeah exactly you know, the women's football yeah. team yeah. in the in the, the yeah. women's world cup sold out Wembley yeah, yeah. well ahead of yeah. selling out well, Wembley well the Euro, you've got some the, Euro, tickets I've got the Euros final is at Wembley yes this got summer, and I've got tickets I mean who knows if England will get there but yeah but either way that would still be really cool to watch so it's exciting it's growing and a phenomenal opportunity, I think, for the for the entree. Yeah. But, but as you said, Katie, earlier, I think very very few pubs told us that they were showing it. About, doing, about twenty percent said that they them. were going to show it. But we need to be communicating that out Absolutely. more. You yeah. Know, yeah. In your research that, that you shared with me, you know, there are more people mm-hmm. said they would go and watch a women's football match, the women's Euros, yeah. 
Yeah. Not not a women's football match. The women's viewers. More women, more people, not in women, yeah. said that they would go and watch that in a pub than would watch the Six Nations. And the yes. Six Nations yes. is just seen as something yeah. standard yeah. that you do. Yeah. So partly it's about the broadcasters. Let's make it accessible. Mm. Let's make sure people can, can do it. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure that people know that that volume of people is yeah. ready, willing and able to go out into a pub, bar or yeah. restaurant to watch and it. Great, one, sorry, well, one of the things that we wanted to prove with that research, actually, and I remember, because I'm not, I'm not a women's football fan, I've never really been into it, and I've now started to watch it, but played Katie, it. You played it? When did you play it? At university. Industry thought, charity match, maybe? Industry <laughs> charity women's football match. I can see it coming on right now. Oh, Excellent. <laughs> yeah, maybe about five aside, I don't think we need to be doing the full... I don't know. Anyway. Um... Yeah, so I, but I, one of the things that we really want, because Katie's really into the sort of women's sport and women's football, and one of the things that we were really keen to do was show the value mm. of that customer, mm. because presumably that's what every single publican yeah, licensee wants to see. It's all very well and good. Yes, I'm doing it so that the young girls that come into my bar can see it and be mm-hmm. it, but actually, where's the cold hard cash for me? Exactly. And we've yeah. proven that it's mm. valuable to them. So what do we do to get them to, to take it up? We just got to... Get it into the press more, haven't we? Yeah. Really, and make sure that people. And I think if we come back to figures about the spend per head, I think that's a key mm. driver. Because if you say about, I think what would you say in terms of the men's matches? Twenty four pounds. It was twenty. It was twenty nine pounds. Twenty nine pounds on average on drink. drinks, which is almost double the average. Yeah, and that for, no, for the, the average men's visit. matches. So yeah. it'd be quite. What was the corresponding for the women? Did we do anything on the women's? Off the top of my head, we have, but we, we have because interestingly yeah. for that was how low the food spend was because men. So yeah, so men men yeah. generally yeah. spend so an average sports fan, male sports so fan, going into a pub was twenty nine pounds on drinks and twelve pounds on food, but when you switch that to the women the women don't spend a lot less on mm. drinks they do spend a bit but a lot more on food which of course is where margins might be more favourable so and also they are more likely to, to plan they're more likely to book and they're more likely to want seats well, more likely to return as well is, is sort and of, order bottles of wine exactly if, if you're having to if you're having totally. to pre-order yeah. and pre-book and mm. that that's guaranteed money in yeah. the till before you start because they've reserved a table to sit mm. also those families those women or those families are bringing in yes. your future customers mm, yeah. so if these kids you know when I was a kid we didn't do a huge amount of going to pubs and bars but it won't surprise you that my stepsons from a very early <laughs> age knew that a lemonade and a packet of crisps was so that uh, stepmother and father could 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 have a, a couple of hours in the pub watching football sometimes or whatever um, so we also need to be almost feathering honest yeah. for the future generation. We need to be proving to them that it's an inclusive place to be and, and that actually it's somewhere where everybody is welcome. And actually, as, you, as we started, sort of, well, maybe not you, Katie, but sort of, they'll, they'll see how people do drink yeah, safely in what? those environments. <laughs> yes. not me. I've been out with you over yeah. the last two days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not. <laughs> we were absolutely. We've been in Amsterdam working the two of us. So we we've hosted two days worth of um, a hard work study tour. Was it? No, it wasn't. No, <laughs> no, it was client. Out, it was client workshops. We I flew out on Sunday. Before. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not mention New York. What what goes on in New York stays in New York. We know. We actually genuinely we 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 were running workshops every day for both days and we finished at about half one didn't we yesterday and then went for a nice lunch by a canal oh, and then both got on our delayed flights home yeah well just finishing off on the on the sports thing because it popped into my mind earlier moving on from the women's sport obviously the world cup this year and Kate Kate oh might, might have some thoughts or might have spoken to people about this um, the world cup is bang on 
pre-Christmas know, celebrations, right? right? It mm-hmm. goes from what I might, might have this slightly wrong mid-November to basically twentieth of December or something right. like that. Mm-hmm. Again, apologies, I've got this wrong. But it, it occurred to me, I talked to some, some some operators last month. How do you prepare for that? Because what would normally be, hopefully this year, a back to mm. normal. Well, I mean, it's a bit of a bitch in a way, isn't it? Because we could have done with that not being in the pre-Christmas bits. But but you can use it as an opportunity to say, do your parties earlier in November, potentially. Or January. January. I had not even thought about that. And also, they are different venues. Mm. Mm. You know, the ones that will maximise and really focus on sport and the people who are going out for sporting matches... They are not the ones that tend to do a lot of food. So Very at that point. time of the year, sure. you would be doing your office parties, yeah. but your Christmas you, lunches. You know, dinners, you, you've yeah. got people who are the late night is really busy at Christmas with with office parties and Christmas lunches. The food led operators are are busy. Yeah. That's a quiet time for a lot of the community pubs, and this is an opportunity to get people uh-huh. in. At yes, different times of the week. A, yeah, I, wonder what the time, I don't actually know what the time zone is. Either. It's only about three hours. Yeah, okay. Kata okay. to here is only good. about three hours difference. Yeah. So they, they, the timing falls well. Yeah. A lot of them are in the middle you've got three home nations initially mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. sorry look so at me sounding as though I know what I'm talking well, about I'm, I'm, you're <laughs> sounding more than a sports flirt if we're absolutely honest right now yeah, this, is, this is prep for a, a press interview that yeah. we're going to be asked about which is a good time another, <laughs> ask, me, ask me about it in two days time I'll have forgotten all about it <laughs> yeah, exactly what else is coming up this summer then I guess or, or where are we oh can I just say how excited I am about Wimbledon which is my favourite sporting event mm. actually mm. that's my favourite sporting event anyone listening out there that's got sponsor tickets do get in touch <laughs> <laughs> is that literally why you wanted to get that yep thing? absolutely <laughs> yeah I got them through Heineken once I think or no it wasn't Heine- oh, better not say I've got we'll cut a bit out tickets is just have we got it in the um, oh the, the ballot yeah the ballot. ballot I know we get them in the ballot rolled over from well, we get them every five years in the ballot so you've yeah. got to just keep on but these are rolled over from pre-COVID yeah. I, I queued up on the hill once with a, with a friend of ours Andy who we used to work with and and I queued up and I was there for maybe four it was the hottest day of the year and it was to the point where I was wearing a pink dress why was I wearing a pink dress I'm not a pink dress type person I was wearing a pink dress and I was sweating so much that by the time we got in it just looked like I had li- Honestly, it looked like I, I don't know, anyway, I won't go into too much detail. I do think that... And I'm so embarrassed. I think that's one of the things from COVID, though. Over the last two years, people who might be sports flirts or are dedicated to one thing, love their football team, but didn't watch anything else, a lot of people have diversified and are watching lots of different sports. And the amount of armchair people that are in the Omicron and not Omicron... (laughs) That's, that's the disease. <laughs> that's the disease. <laughs> and the cycling. I mean, you get really into yeah. some of these things. Yeah, and yeah. let's not forget, we've got the Commonwealth oh Games. So we are oh, going gosh, to yeah. have... Yeah. You know, we that, are, that's here. That's yeah. here. Uh, that's right. in Coventry yeah, yeah, that's in right. the summer. So, you know, 10th anniversary after the Olympics. Right. Wow, we okay, are all, yeah. as a nation, going to be looking and sports watching and doing all sorts of sports. And yeah. there's a huge opportunity yeah. for yeah. every single type of business. Oh, totally. To do all sorts of things. The aforementioned stepson... At one point during, I think it was lockdown two, I said to him, how are you coping? And everything. he said, well, I've started watching women's darts. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we need to go pick him up. Curling is the one. Oh, curling. Well, curling's fantastic. Oh, I love watching the curls. Oh, me too. Totally. Yeah, but I think I think that that is the point. The, the diversification, the diversification of, of, over the of two years, where you yeah. haven't been able to do anything else, yeah. and you've got into something, yeah. means that you know there is an opportunity for publicans to think much more broadly yes. about the type of offering that they've got. Mm. 
rather than just looking at the football fixtures, look at everything. Yeah. Yeah. Try it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's, not gonna hurt. it's like in the, in the first lockdown, I, um, I a friend of mine who works in PR emailed me because she said, "Oh, have you seen this?" And it was a it was a, like a Reddit thing or whatever it was, and it was the top twenty things you can do online that will make lockdown not quite so bloody horrendous. And so I looked at it, and, and it was things like, and, and, and these, by the way, still exist, so anyone out there that is like, isolating or anything like that, one of them was a, um, a video trip around Auschwitz, which I did. I also then went there in person last October, but that's another story. I won't bring, bring, bring it to down here. But um, the other one was like the Louvre, or Louvre mm. did a walkthrough yeah. that you could do. But the one that I really, really loved was the National Theatre. Mm. The National Theatre did those live, and it was a live stream, so you sat down and watched it. At, you could, you could. They're, they're not still doing that. Well, my they're husband still and I, okay. yeah, Stevie and I watched. I think they did twenty three, and we watched about sixteen. Mm. Like we just wow. loved mm. it. It was mm. so good, and that's given me a taste for going back to the theatre mm. again. So we're going to see To Kill a Mockingbird next oh, week. Oh, well, a friend of mine is is, is acting in it. Yeah. So Fantastic. yeah. So, but you know, the, the the point I'm making is that it yeah. does make you look maybe mm. outside because it's. Anything that's online is very accessible. And if that is accessible, it might make you then take that step to do it in, in, in a physical way, you know? So that's the same as sport. Yeah. I think that's oh. right. And, and you can use, you know, talking about accessible, just to, to take it a little bit further, which is one of my hobby horses, it, uh, accessibility for everybody to come back. Yes. Yeah. We look, need to look at sort of physical access and, and uh, access and space. And you can use all of those online resources to take people walking around to show somebody yeah how accessible your tables and chairs are, how you can get a wheelchair yes. in, how you can move the furniture. And that is the end of part one of Four Wise Kates. Thank you so much for listening and tune in next week for part two.